Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Many in the, um, American, uh, the Anglican Church in North America, myself included, have been influenced by an idea that Anglicanism is and, and can be what's referred to as a, a three-streams expression of Christianity. This is an image or a metaphor of three streams of the Christian tradition uh, converging to form one river, one Anglicanism. Typically, these three streams are, con are construed as the evangelical, the Catholic, and the charismatic, or, or sometimes referred to as word, sacrament, and spirit. These are three modes of Christian expression that have shaped Anglicanism as it is today, and I think there's are three modes that I hope will continue to shape our parish as we are faithful recipients of this Anglican Christian tradition. So with respect to the first stream, the evangelical stream, evangelical here is, is more in a traditional sense of the word, simply referring to a Protestant tradition centered on scripture. I think Anglicanism drinks deeply of this stream from its very founding in the 16th century Reformation. The centrality of scripture is what animated our theological ancestors like Thomas Cranmer and Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley. And I think this word-based centrality continues in our own worship today. We literally every Sunday read three passages from scripture and have a psalm. And I think no one who follows the daily readings of morning and evening prayer can doubt that Anglicanism is a word-centric and word-saturated tradition. The second stream, the Catholic stream, needs to be understood not just as a mimicking of Roman Catholicism, but rather Anglicanism stands on its own right as an inheritor of the broad Catholic tradition that includes Rome as well as Eastern Orthodoxy. Some of this inheritance had kind of fallen by the wayside in the 17th and 18th centuries, but the 19th century Oxford movement reminded Anglicans that they too had a long and venerable and even unique tradition of celebrating the sacraments, of, of ceremonial worship, of vesture and gesture, of the smells and bells that were characteristic of the Catholic worship tradition. And here too in this parish do we attempt to drink from this stream in our liturgical worship, in our keeping the church calendar, and in our theological approach. The third stream is the charismatic or the spirit stream of the Anglican tradition. I think in a, in a fascinating, almost cyclical sort of fashion, this stream of Anglicanism almost birthed itself. But here's how the genealogy goes. Uh, you guys all know John Wesley. He was an Anglican priest, and in fact, he never repudiated his ordination. So he died as, a, as an Anglican. And yet the Methodist movement that Wesley spurned in, the, in England and then in, later on in America uniquely drank, drank from this sort of spiritual holiness uh, stream that then revived some aspects of Anglicanism, but then also spun off into its own denomination, Methodism. 150 years later, around the turn of the 20th century, the Methodist movement would give birth to other holiness traditions, the Pentecostal and the charismatic traditions. But then these influenced a charismatic revival within the Episcopal Church and the Church of England in the 1960s that revived a sense of the Holy Spirit's palpable presence within the lives of Anglican Christians across the globe. And so this spirit movement had come home to Anglicanism. And we might not think that we here at All Souls have dipped our toes as much in the charismatic stream as much as we have others, and I think in one sense you'd be right. But in another sense, I'd like to make the case that actually we, we have, and we do, and will continue to embrace this spirit stream, even as we have room to grow in this area, just as we have room to grow in the uh, other areas as well. We can be more evangelical, we can be more Catholic as we press into word, sacrament, and spirit. 
So let me make this case, this Pentecost, and add some specificity to this charismatic stream with its emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And we can do so by looking at our reading from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. And we can even start with that word, charismatic. The word from which we get this term charismatic is actually the very same word that we see in our reading this morning in 1 Corinthians 12.4 that most translations render as gift. Now there are varieties of gifts. But the word underlying gift here in Greek is the word that also can be rendered as grace. A charism is a gracious gift. I don't mean gracious like, oh, how nice you gave me something. I mean gracious like grace-filled, grace-infused, grace-saturated. Grace is a supernatural empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And this is a gift in that we didn't earn it, we aren't owed it. It's not something we deserve. Rather, in an overflow of God's own life and power, we are empowered to live as God has called us. So a charismatic is just someone filled with the grace of God. Now, of course, lately that term has, the term charismatic has come to be associated with certain rather dramatic manifestations of grace, phenomena like speaking in tongues or prophecy or healings. Some call these the miraculous gifts, but I'm not inclined to do so because I think all the gifts of God are, are, are miraculous. Every gracious empowerment by the Holy Spirit is itself a supernatural miracle. It's only that there are some that are more dramatic to our senses, but also some that are more subtle. And I think neither drama nor subtlety is indicative of the amount of spirit power present in the recipient of the gift. Rather, as Paul says, there are varieties of gifts, varieties of graces, but they're all from the same spirit. Hear this again from 1 Corinthians a little bit longer. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I think Paul's trying to articulate a, a solution to that version of the problem of the one and the many, where, where individual Christians in Corinth were operating in a variety of ways, according to a variety of gifts or services or activities. In this situation, the temptation might be to see Christianity as a sort of individualistic thing, where each person does their own thing for their own benefit. But Paul says, don't give in to that temptation, for each of these gifts or activities come from the same source, the one spirit, the Lord, the God who empowers all. All the gifts of the spirit are supernatural. All the gifts of the spirit are grace-infused empowerments for the building up of the body of Christ. So rather than see only the dramatic gifts as the sole indicator of the spirit stream, I think we can think of this this third stream as a, as a stream with two banks, we might say, a bank on either side. On one side is what we commonly call the charismatic, the more dramatic manifestations of the spirit. But I think on the other bank of this same stream is what we might call the contemplative, with its subtle manifestations of the spirit. It's one spirit, one grace, one empowerment, but two modes by which the spirit flows. Uh, a little over a decade ago or so, I was um, kind of on an Eastern Orthodoxy kick myself. I was fascinated by the liturgical traditions, of course, but it was also the theological methodology and the, the spirituality that I was kind of attracted to. And I had the privilege of doing a two-week summer seminar uh, with about a dozen other scholars up at Calvin College, and where we, all Western Protestant theologians, were led into an exploration of Orthodoxy 
by an Eastern Orthodox scholar. It was really a rich time for me. And, but I recall this really fascinating conversation with a scholar uh, whose name I've forgotten and who taught at a school, which I've also forgotten, but it was a Pentecostal school, you know, Assemblies of God or Alliance or something like that. Um, and she taught spirituality and spiritual formation. I was kind of perplexed because most of us were already you know, somewhat high church, Anglican, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or what have you. So I asked her, what's a Pentecostal charismatic doing spending two weeks thinking about Eastern Orthodox theology? And she said what the Eastern Christians have in their mysticism, in their apophaticism, and in their contemplation, she said, I'm seeing that in my community, in my tongues, in our prophecies, and in our healings. It's the same spirit at work in both these traditions. That, that same spirit that works in dramatic ways through a Pentecostal worship service is the same spirit who subtly works through the monks on Mount Athos. Or the same spirit who activates speaking in tongues is the same spirit that activates the quiet recitation of the Jesus prayer. There are a variety of gifts, a, a variety of ways to receive the grace of the spirit, but there's one spirit who empowers all. And I think we Anglicans, we three streams Anglicans, can drink deeply from this stream of the Spirit from both the charismatic and the contemplative banks. Some of us might be drawn to one bank more than the other, but it's the same Spirit whose gracious power flows between, working in the same way but manifesting in different contexts. And I think we here in this parish have this opportunity to continue to drink from the string as well. I'm not saying you need to like, start yelling out in tongues or start uttering prophecy. I'm not saying you need to avoid that either. It's the same spirit who empowers all, who graciously gives gifts to all, and it's up to the spirit to give us the spirit as the spirit pleases. And that means we might find ourselves in unexpected places. But whether the manifestations of the spirit that we as a parish or as individual members experience, whether these take the, the dramatic form or the subtlest, quietest form, it's the same spirit working in all of us. And both of these manifestations, both of these banks, I think, start from the same point. The same point, which is an openness to the spirit. Either bank, the most dramatic charismatic or the subtlest contemplative, begins with openness to the Holy Spirit, a willingness to quiet our own wills and thoughts and desires in order to allow the spirit to flow through us as the spirit wishes. And now, openness to the Spirit, I think, can be at times perhaps intimidating, maybe even scary. I, I think it's okay to feel that. That just seems to be built into the concept of openness. When you're open, you're, you're exposed, you're, you're vulnerable. We experience that in human-to-human -human relationships all, all the time. Should I share part of myself with this person? Should I be open to another? What if I'm rejected? What if I'm not valued? What if it hurts? I think openness to the Spirit can feel similarly. And what if there is no spirit? What, what if I can't sense the spirit? What if the spirit moves me to do something that's uncomfortable or embarrassing? Well, I think St. Paul offers a bit of consolation or assurance for the one who might be intimidated by this idea of being open to the spirit. Paul says, <clears throat> Paul says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I think Paul is saying here that 
The spirit is incredibly sensitive to the needs or the situation or the context of each individual Christian. The Holy Spirit's not just like throwing power out there like some kind of open fire hydrant. The spirit knows each Christian individually, knows what each Christian needs or can handle, and apportions out the spirit's power to individuals as that individual needs. No doubt this can still be challenging and intimidating, sanctifications like that. It's still vulnerable to be open to the Spirit. But I hope we can be at least a little assured by Paul's words here that the Spirit does not come to overwhelm us, but to empower us for good. Anglican Christians or parishes that embrace the three streams approach to Christianity will desire an immersion in the spirit stream. And I think this stream has these two banks, the charismatic with its dramatic manifestations and the contemplative with its subtle manifestations of the spirit. A variety of manifestations, a variety of graces or empowerments, but the same spirit. Drinking from the stream from either bank involves an openness to the spirit. And so I want to end by suggesting just a practical observation about openness to the Spirit. And this is that openness in most cases, I think, involves cultivation, involves some practice. There's nothing preventing the Holy Spirit from suddenly zapping people with grace. But, but for the most part, it seems as though the Spirit tends to operate more gently, more in line with apportioning to each one individually. And this then invites us to have some agency in bringing ourselves to a state where we're open to, this, to the grace of the Holy Spirit. Jim Leonard wrote a, a beautiful little exposition of contemplative prayer in our bulletin today, which I commend to you. I think this can serve as a pattern or a model for where openness to the Spirit can begin. When one is silent, calm, attentive before God, then much of the other stuff of life can be moved to the background of our consciousness for a bit. And when one practices this, like literally sitting down to practice for even a few minutes a day, this can build an inclination towards openness that can then more readily manifest itself at other moments in the course of the day. I admit in my own experience, this is something that does take cultivation and practice and something I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm very much still a novice at. But through our own quieting of our hearts and our minds and wills, down to the point of openness to the Holy Spirit, I think then we can receive this gracious empowerment that St. Paul promises to all who are in Christ. Let's pray. O God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.